This is Brian. This is Tim. And now you know the sound of our voices. So Tim is filling in for Ali this week because uh, Ali has a wedding on Saturday, and he's also getting a root canal today, which is Wednesday. Congratulations, Ali. Sorry, <laughs> Ali. Today I want to talk about something I've found very interesting, and that's Jello. I didn't realize I'd never eaten the original Jello recipe. It was revealed to me by my girlfriend that I've only actually eaten Jello jigglers, but real Jello is like really, really soft and creamy. And I had no idea. I think it's infinitely better than actual Jello, or rather uh, Jello Jigglers. And it kind of got me doing a lot of research and thinking about Jello. So Tim, have you ever eaten Jello? I have eaten Jello. I, uh, full disclosure, grew up in Missouri in the eighties. Okay. Um, did in fact eat Jello a couple of times. I feel like I probably haven't eaten Jello since 1995. Yeah, I mean, same. Right. Yeah. I mean, besides recently with my girlfriend, but yeah, before that it was like when I was eight years old or something. Yeah. Do you know the difference between a Jello Jiggler and uh, the original Jello recipe? So I only really got this from when we talked about it the other day. Okay. Uh, I knew Jello from growing up. Yeah. Uh, which is apparently it's the slightly watery, slightly yeah. creamy, right? Mm-hmm. Or not creamy, but yeah. Um, I mean, it has like a creamy. It can almost get kind of juice-like. Yeah. 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 Um, Jello Jigglers, I probably saw an ad for them at some point. Okay. I wasn't really clear that they existed. Oh, uh, really? Maybe I heard the name. So you never held like a star-shaped Jello? No. Thing? It was really? like very much like maybe on the periphery of my consciousness, but wow. basically didn't okay. know they existed. Have you ever had a Jello snack cup? Yeah. Yeah, I've had a Jello snack cup. So, you know, they're, they're not like actual Jello recipe. Like, they're very solid. And that's that's fair. Like the, I have noticed that they are really solid, yeah. solid, and I never thought about it before. So that's actually more like the Jello Jiggler recipe. Okay. So you've probably, I mean, you've basically had a Jello Jiggler because of that. So, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the weirdness of Jello and its ubiquitous nature in American culture. But despite that, like, very few people know anything about Jello or even really think about Jello. Or there's just the, there's kind of a conventional wisdom now. It's so old, it's so weird, it's from yeah, the 50s. Right, right. And that's true, but there's more there. So, I mean, I, I don't think most people realize that, like, it's literally boiled down animal connective tissue. True story. <laughs> which is disgusting. People say hooves a lot. Yeah, hooves. Which is, like, not really true. I feel no. like, I mean, kind of, like you said, connective tissue. Yeah. Like, if you, um, you see it in, in a broth, like, you get, like, chicken feet or something. Right. And the broth that that's in, you know, it's a lot of tendons. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, you know, just whatever subcutaneous matter <laughs> right. is on chicken skin. That is sort of the stuff of jello. Yeah, so I was actually thinking about it. It's like, so, you know, bone broth is a big thing right now. It's like expensive too, right? Bone broth is jello. Bone broth is watered down jello. Right. And I was, uh, so in the 30s, jello came out with like tomato flavor, celery flavor, and a couple of savory flavors because that's actually how it was originally used, which you actually know we kind of discussed this a little bit before. And I thought that was disgusting. But the reality of it is, it's like made out of cow. It's more gross to flavor it with like, flavor it with like orange and strawberry. Yeah, it's weird. It's actually very bizarre. But I guess the only thing that makes sense there is there is a little bit of uh, a trend in American cooking where savory things are hot and yeah, desserts yeah. are cold. Oh, that's and a good so if point. you take this thing and it's cold, then we're like, aha, we should make a dessert out of it. We yeah. should put fruit in it. No, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Even like chicken salad, like they put like grapes and like right? oranges sometimes in it. And, like, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah. And there's a thing lurking around in the back of your mind that's like, is chicken salad like. 
right? Is, yeah. it, is, it, is that what we're supposed to do? Like, maybe we should eat something that's hot and has chicken yeah, instead yeah. of chicken salad. And I like chicken salad, but there's still that there's that dichotomy. That's so true. You know, there's a thing that Jell-O is able to bridge in American culture that um, a lot of Asian foods have that, like, isn't really allowed in American culture. And that's, like, gelatinous foods and cold savory foods. Right. Or cold, uh, yeah, cold savory foods. Right. Um, really common in Asian food. Uh, and if you give, like... I think if you give the Amer- uh, average American person like some sort of gelatinized turnip paste thing or whatever, that's like that's disgusting. It's true. Whereas Jello is gelatinized like cow parts, and we put fruit in it, and it's like mm. delicious, and no one thinks about it. I think that's really odd. And I was also thinking with that whole bone broth thing, it's used in hospitals. Like it's like a standard right. hospital food, right? And I did a little bit of research on why, and it's super digestible because it's technically like a clear liquid, and uh, it has a lot of calories because they put so much sugar in it. And you can eat it with your gums. And yeah, you can eat it. You don't need tea. No chewing required. You can basically yeah. just swallow it, and it'll dissolve on right. you. And it has protein in it. Yep. Like, it's a magical, it's a magical food. And if it wasn't for the fact that it's, like, old and processed, I think people could, I mean, you still could use it as a health food. I think right. There's not, there's 320 calories in one box of Jell-O. That's a lot of Jell-O. That's astounding. Yeah. That's, and it's basically all protein that's in that side. If you add sugar, you'll, you know, that's a different thing. But right. The, the strictly Jell-O part, that's, that's protein. Right. I was wondering what your life in Missouri, as far as, like, Jell-O is concerned, like, what did it entail? Like, when did you eat Jell-O most frequently? Right. Uh, you know, more than once as a kid. Um, but I feel like it came from this kind of mid-American cooking that mm-hmm. we were quickly moving away from as right. I grew up, you yeah, know, yeah. like, which is not to say that we were, we were never 100% that, but I think over time we were less and less that. Um, but yeah, as we were talking about Jell-O and it made me think probably the only place I've eaten Jell-O in the past 15 years was working at uh, this Mexican university, their okay. location here in Chicago. Yeah. And it was it was my birthday. No one asked me what kind of cake I wanted for my birthday. There was an office tradition <laughs> okay. that you get cake on your birthday, and I got a Jello cake. So okay. it's one of these. It's in a mold. It's uh, you know it's ring shaped. Right, like it's a got bun cake. Mold. Yeah, like a bun cake kind of kind of mold. It has uh, some fruit um, mm-hmm. in it, and it, this is by the way, uh, this must be the, the thick Jello consistency. Okay, not the yeah, thin yeah, because right. if it's going to really hold uh-huh. that circular shape, it's got to be a little thicker. Okay. And I was just struck, like I wasn't necessarily that offended by the fact that I was eating Jello, <laughs> yeah. but I was just really struck that you know this was in River North in Chicago too, right, which right. is super cool, super yeah. hip. It's the design scene, it's the startup scene, yeah. and I bet you that there were no other Jello cakes being eaten that then, day in River North. So I have a question: What type of Jello cake was it? Like, it, like so I know of two different types of Jello cakes: a layered Jello cake where there's like a layer of Jello in it, and then there's also one where they like poke holes in the cake. And pour Jello over it, and then the Jello seeps inside, and you get like almost like little icicles of Jello inside the cake. Interesting. Okay, so I think neither one of those. Oh, really? There wasn't okay. actually any bready part of this cake. Oh, it was like so. It was, it was a Jello mold. Oh, it was Jello in a mold. Yeah. Oh, so there's no cake. No, there's no cake. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you got yeah. jello. So I got jello. <laughs> there was some fruit in it. There might have been pineapple chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think it was two colors. So it looked nice. I think it was kind of a yellow color and a red color maybe. Okay. Um, and that looks good. And those were layered. But yeah, yeah. No, no, no like bread cake kind of oh. consistency. No flour cake in there anywhere. So do you think this is, because you're at a Mexican university, do you think this is a Latino thing? Because flan is, you know, obviously a big... Right. Flan, flan's out there. Yeah, I think it's cultural. Um, I think, you know, these things, they change over time. What a food means is mm-hmm. not you know it's not an inherent product of the food it's something that right. we carry in ourselves yeah, we yeah. project these things onto the food sure. around us yeah yeah um and so you know whether whether it's you know hip and cool or mm-hmm. whether it's old-fashioned and stodgy i think is is absolutely a question of of culture right. and of your community and it merits saying you know um maybe a mile and a half away at alinea Right. There might be something that is similarly synthetic. Oh, that's such a good Similarly, point. you know, kind of weird textures. Yeah. And it's $300 for a prefix meal. That's a good point. It's like some, probably some like gelatinized lavender balls or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so that's $300. And this, you know, jello mold is slightly déclassé. Right. And, you know, and we are constantly trying to figure out which is which. That's a good point. And actually, that's a good, like, segue into the fact that jello actually started as like a really bougie food item like in the 30s i think because the french were making congealed salads which sounds delicious congealed salads that's what i'm here for (laughs) at the time refrigeration wasn't readily available right and that's key so who has refrigeration so only rich people could eat congealed salad therefore it became like really bougie and like popular in france and then jello came out with like powder gelatin which could be made more easily at home i'm actually not sure how you would do it without a refrigerator I don't think you do. You, yeah, you I mean, if you don't, you if you have a compressor refrigerator, but you know, of course, they had refrigerators right. before that, and that depended on this entire industry right. of people hauling cubes of ice <laughs> and snow right. from the mountains, yeah. keeping them in you know little uh, in little straw boxes right. and whatnot underground in dungeons, you yeah. know, until they could be brought out day by day, block by block, mm-hmm. so you could get your fresh ice. But you know, that's depending on that whole industry of people yeah. finding that ice, storing that ice, keeping it cold, and of course, if if any chain. Um, or if any part of that chain breaks, right. you get melted water and your, your ice is done, you know? Well, I and think... Sure enough, they could keep ice until August and September. Right, right. Well, um, so that's... The thing is, I, when I was doing research, in the 70s, Jell-O was on its way out. Because, mm-hmm. like, refrigeration became more common, and therefore it became so accessible that it became, like, not bougie, not cool. And so they switched gears to make it more um, family-friendly. That's when Jigglers came out. That is when Bill Cosby started repping. I mean, you too know, soon. too soon, maybe. But it is when he started repping the uh, Jello. It's also when Mormons started eating lots of Jello. Are you familiar? With I guess this? I guess I was aware of that. I had forgotten that. That's great. So I didn't know this until relatively recently that um, Mormons are the number one consumer of Jello as far as like a cultural thing. Like Utah, I guess, was like the number one consumer of Jello for a while. It fits though, right? Yeah, something about the whole thing. <laughs> it fits. And well, so I was reading about why, and there's like uh, thought pieces written by Mormons about why they ate so much Jello as a kid. And it's like an inside joke in the Mormon community, and they were just saying that first of all, Mormon families typically have a lot of kids. It's a cheap dessert. Right, but also they were like marketing it as a uh, like family friendly, mm-hmm. like you're a good mom if you make right. Jello, and maybe there's a, a strain of a little bit of you know um, Mormons are maybe less conservative today, but we're pretty yeah. conservative like a generation ago, Definitely. 
And if you're kind of looking towards a forgotten America, an America of 20 or 30 or 40 years prior, right. and you're more willing to embrace those things and yeah, not yeah, fight yeah. against them, then, right. then maybe you, you know, don't jump on the kale train, even though there's nothing wrong with kale. Maybe you stay <laughs> on the jello train yeah, because uh, it has some nice associations with, you know, like mom serving dinner to six kids. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It definitely fits. In. I mean, the Mormon culture, I, I think even now, they really value the family structure, like, right. really heavily in um, probably why Jello is so popular, but I remember you said something about bringing up a book. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, um, this whole conversation is all about Bourdieu, um, mm-hmm. theorized about cultural capital and taste. Okay. The anthropologist or sociologist who thought about uh, that food is not a, just a means of sustenance. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's not just an economic activity. It's also a cultural activity. It's in um, producing and consuming it and okay. judging it. Sure. Are activities that uh, that make you pick your uh, the community you're in, the community you're opposed to, mm-hmm. um, kind of like Mormons and Jello, like Mormons and Jello. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, one of the things I was thinking about um, with that is, like you mentioned, you know, Jello was something of a luxury item because mm-hmm. refrigeration was a luxury. Um, it made me think about the trajectory of bananas. Okay, uh, which is a similar story. Yeah, yeah. So. 50 years ago, bananas existed. People were aware of them. Okay. They were starting to come in in bigger amounts, yeah. but uh, they were still a little bit of a novelty. Okay. They were still newer. They're like tropical, right? Right. They're, they're tropical. Yeah. They come. They have to get sent here all the way from uh, from Costa Rica, from right. Mexico, from Guatemala. Yeah. And so there was a time in America when bananas were expensive. You know, so you had an apple tree out back, mm-hmm. or in any city in most of the U.S., you had an apple tree somewhere right. nearby. You had local producers of pears, mm-hmm. of peaches, of plums. Classic American fruits. Right, grapes yeah. in many cases. Um, bananas come from far away. And today we have an incredible supply chain to deliver us yeah. abundant, They're affordable crazy bananas. Cheap. Yeah. But before they were being brought in those numbers... Yeah. It was hard to get bananas here. Right. And so we kind of have this memory, I think, um, like banana cream pie okay. oh, is a dish that is not very fashionable today. Yeah. But I think you would have been more interested in making it in a former time when bananas are crazy like, expensive. Are more expensive yeah. or more of a luxury item. And uh, oh. I had never really thought about how in America the one fruit, I think probably the the most widely consumed fruit, say, from our generation, yeah. is bananas. Like people yeah. who don't really eat other fruits would often be like a banana a day kind right. of person. It's crazy, convenient, yeah. and like very uh, ergonomic. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was thinking about that. As often happens, you can only see the thing the clearest when you're outside of it. So I'm, sure. in, I'm living in Syria. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would occasionally um, stop by my landlord uh-huh. to say hi or to resolve some little bit of business with the apartment, whatever. Okay. Uh, and his son would bring in some, some fruit. And so okay. there'd be grapes, there'd be some apples. It'd be bananas. All right. And this is very much about hospitality and wants to make sure he offers me bananas every single time. Okay. And that's because Syria um, is a middle-income country, not super wealthy. Yeah. Um, but doesn't have those kinds of supply chains with Costa Rica. Right. And it's so far away. Yeah, it's so far away. You get a little bit of bananas. There are bananas in East Africa, oh, tiny okay. production in Sudan and Egypt. Mm-hmm. But you just don't get that many yeah. into Syria. Yeah. And so... You know, in, at all times, luxury is right. what other people can't have. Right. And right. like, so it's only luxurious if other people can't have yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, Jello was probably a big deal until everyone had it, right? And right. And it became a dollar sixty or whatever it costs now for an entire box of Jello. <laughs> I don't really have anything else. I, I do kind of have another thing, but okay. we, we didn't segue into it, so I'll just, yeah, I'll just start just, talking yeah, about it. Yeah, talk about it. So, so this whole topic uh, makes me think of this theory I bumped into about. 
um, what different classes value um, in okay. restaurants and in food. Okay. And I think once this is one of these things that once seen, it can't be unseen. Right. And so the the uh, the different classes are, um, and the ideas are. Lower class is most interested in abundance. Okay. Middle class is most interested in value. Yeah. And the upper class is most interested in uniqueness and quality. Like exclusivity. Exclusivity, yeah, yeah. right? These ideas. Um, and so you see it in advertising. Yeah. Uh, the very idea of a buffet. Right. Is abundance. Low. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a... It's... By definition, it's huh, it's hooking into this lower class um, value. Right. If you're worried about not having enough... Yeah. You definitely want abundance. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good point. On in and on the middle class level, it's interest in value. If you're most concerned that you you know, I would say uh, maybe a defining feature of the middle class is having money for some luxuries but not money for all luxuries. Right, right. So you you can you can probably budget anything in if you work at it. Yeah. But you definitely can't budget everything in. Right. And so then it becomes a question of value. You know, like if this place is just as good as the other place, but right. it's half the price, then... Can't get your um, four-bedroom home and the yacht. Right, yeah, no, you got to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> you get a four-bedroom yacht boat. Right, right. right. Let me tell you what. Um, and then, you know, you see, uh, you know, anywhere that's, you know, advertising that it's, you know, like a... It's a $6 deal for this or an $8 mm-hmm. deal for that, $10 deal for that. I would say, if anything, Costco is probably right, the right. greatest emblem of value. Yeah, yeah. And you can just hear, I don't know, I just imagine like 55, 60-year-old people being like, and it's only $5. <laughs> right. And often the uh, the associate thing is just, and by the way, it's not low quality. No, yeah. And by the way, that yeah. thing from Costco is better quality than you think it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, that Kirkland is, their wine is actually sourced from the same place as right? such and such or whatever, and it's like mm-hmm. way cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely that, like it feels like you're getting a bargain. Right. And then you have, you know, totally unique boutiques mm-hmm. um, or, you know, chef-run restaurants you know that um, this food is not, it's not part of a, you know, 50 restaurant chain. Yeah, yeah. This chef runs this restaurant, and if you want to eat this dish, this is the only place on earth where you can eat that dish right, today. Right, um, And that's, you know, more of a, an upper class value. Right. Like an Alinea um, where you're paying $300 for right? a menu that might only happen that year. Mm-hmm. And like It'll never again. Never, never repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the interesting thing to kind of bring it all around is that I think Jello has had a long journey through every single class. Right. Like it started in the, the upper class, I guess. Very exclusive, very hard to make. And then in the 50s, it became like Joan Cleaver, like feed your family, has value. Right, proper middle class. Proper middle class food. And then I think in the last 20 years, it's become for, I mean, I don't even know who eats it, honestly. Right. Um, but I assume it's more of a bargain item. Yep. Um, and although, then there's also always a chance if you're remixing it in a funny or interesting right. or novel way, yeah, yeah. then it can become upper class again. Right, right. So, you know, leave it to, you know, some kind of hipstery upper class chef right. to find a way to make a jello dessert. Yeah. And you only accept it as upper class if it comes from them. No, right? I mean, like definitely. if it's at your neighborhood supermarket, right. it's low class. But if this fancy chef makes it for you, yeah. um, and I'm sure, I don't know who's doing it, but I'm sure somebody is, yeah. then all of a sudden it's upper class again. I mean, I think the next step for jello is. Not calling it Jello, having it be organic, and having it be natural fruit, and like all of that, and like right. marketing it as like a health food for all the collagen, all the protein, and like it like you know lower in sugar or whatever. And I think that's how they can kind of. I mean, if they care to, I don't know what their marketing <laughs> strategy is at Jello. If they still exist, I guess. Yeah, so they seem to be doing they something. They seem to right. be doing okay. 
In any case, that's uh, that's all I got for Jello. Is do you have anything else to add? That's all I got for Jello. Okay. Well, we've been almost talking for thirty minutes anyway. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for filling in, Tim. Um, and that's it. I'm like a I'm like a bargain basement Costco Ali, really. Oh, you, you know? got you got a little bit but, of trimmer beer. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not bad quality. You think you think <laughs> that Costco Ali substitute is going to be low low quality, but it's not. Kirkland brand Ali. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, me. Yeah.